in Acts chapter 1. That's where we're going to get our direction for the day. Go figure. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4 is where we're, we're going to set the course where the Lord wants us at today. This is what it says, gathering them together. Someone say together. together. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. The he here is Jesus. Right now, this is, Jesus has been, he's died He was buried, now he's resurrected. He's been on the earth for 40 days, appearing to his disciples several times, teaching them about the things of God. And now he's about ready to exit the earth. He's about ready to leave the earth and go to sit at his heavenly heavenly throne once again. And he gathers his disciples together. And this is the last thing he says to them. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for what the Father had promised which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they came together, someone say together. When they came together, they were asking him saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or Epochs, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Father, I pray right now that I would continue to decrease and your spirit would increase in this place so that it was your anointing that goes forth. Help me, Lord, to articulate the word that you've given me exactly the way you want me to articulate it, the way you want me to convey it to each and every one of your people right now. Jesus, be glorified. Be glorified. Holy Spirit, I pray you would have your way in us and amongst us. I pray that you would send your power upon your people. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen, amen. Before you're, hug, before you're seated, hug three people. I got, got ahead of myself. Before you're seated, hug three people and ask them, say, do you want power? Do you want power? Do you want power? Yeah, come on. <clears throat> yeah, we can do that. Sure. Well, good morning, church. It's so good to see everybody. Come on, if you're good, shout, I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. Well, I'm going to skip the rest of the formalities this morning. Uh, but, but know this, man, I, I promise you, it's, I'm so thankful for you. It's so good to see you. And, and know this, man, I, I've been praying for you all this, this week because I really believe <clears throat> that we have a rhema word for today, a, a now word for our church specifically, but also for the entire body of Christ as a whole as, as well. Right? I, believe, I believe that God is, is, is doing that right now. And man, today we're going to talk about someone who at times has really offended a lot of someones in the church. Matter of fact, this person has probably caused more division in the modern church than any other individual in church history, this, this one person. 
he has caused more people to get upset and leave the church than probably actually Satan himself, even though at times Satan's behind it, um, but people just haven't recognized it. But he has caused so much offense, which has caused division. People get so offended by him, and then they, they get up and just leave the church and leave offended and leave upset. And then just in case you're not picking up what I'm putting down, the, the person that I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit. Man, the Holy Spirit offends people. I'm telling you, he offends people. People get so offended over the Holy Spirit. And, and I, believe, I believe that there's, there's a couple reasons for this. There's a couple reasons people get so offended by him. One being the lack of understanding. People don't understand him, and so they're confused by him. They can't control him, right? And so, man, they just, they'd just rather leave him alone. They would rather just stay away from, from him because they can't control him. And so their lack of understanding scares them from opening up to him. Their lack of understanding him, man, can be the cause of the fence that, that pushes them away from him. And, and the other reason that people get so offended by him would be the lack of explanation, and look, these two reasons that I'm, I'm, I'm giving to you today, right, aren't the only reasons people get offended by him, but they are the two main reasons, but it's not limited to these two reasons. Are you with me? There's other, other reasons, but these are the two main reasons, the lack of understanding and the lack of explanation. And the lack of explanation is twofold, actually. It's, it's either one, that, that it's people just haven't explained him well, or, or two, that he's just not explained at all. They, they haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And so today the Lord has tasked us with talking about him so that hopefully by the end of our time together today, we'll have a little better understanding of him. Will we fully understand him? No, because the depths of his understanding no man can fathom. So, so there's no way to fully wrap our minds around the Holy Spirit. But my hope is, is that by the end of today, we will see that the, the division that is surrounding him is only damaging to those who won't receive him. It's not damaging anybody else. It's damaging the individual or the group of people. And so hopefully, we're going to leave here today with an explanation of who he is and what mission he has upon the earth. Because man, I'll tell you, one of the greatest things I fear as, as a pastor as a shepherd, because I'm gonna to answer to God for everything I preach from this, this, this pulpit. And I fear that, that, that if somebody would come in here and say, I've never heard of the Holy Spirit, I will not let that happen. People are not gonna be able to show up here and leave here and say, well, you know, I went to CWC, but I never heard about the Holy Spirit. No, 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 that's not gonna happen. And today, you know, we're gonna talk about him. And then it's gonna be on us whether or not we receive him. It's going to be your choice whether or not you open your heart to him. It'll be on you. It won't be on me. It'll be on you. And I'm telling you this, if we don't receive him, we are entering into times and seasons that we won't be able to make it without him. We're not going to make it unless we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Without the person of the Holy Spirit, you and I will be tossed to and fro like a wave in the ocean. You and I will be double-minded men and women and we'll be unstable in all of our ways unless 
we've been filled by him. We will not make it through the times we're entering into. Jesus makes this statement in Luke chapter 18, guys. When I return to the earth, will I find any faith? Now remind you, he's talking to the church. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his bride. When I return to the earth, will I find any faith at all? And hear me, unless you and I receive the Holy Spirit, there is no way we'll be able to keep the faith. There's no possible way to walk through this life and fight the good fight of faith like the Bible instructs us to do unless we have been filled by the one who desires to fill us, unless we've been baptized by the one that desires to baptize us, which is a great lead-in to the, to the title of the message today, which is the miracle of baptism 2.0. We're gonna call it 2.0. Because if you remember several weeks ago, we talked about the miracle of baptism when we did a, a baptism service, right? We, we did a baptism service. But see, these, these two baptisms are different. They're, they're extremely different. The first miracle of baptism we talked about was about the baptism of water, right? That's, that's what we talked about. And we, we also baptized 24 people on that Sunday morning, man, which, by the way, is incredible, right? Because that means this, that those 24 people were publicly acknowledging their, their love for Jesus, their walk with Jesus, that I have confessed him as my Lord and Savior, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But, but I want to look here for a little bit at what the scripture says about water baptism and about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it draws a distinction between the two. And in Mark chapter one, what it says is this, that John the Baptist came baptizing with water for the forgiveness of sin. That's that first baptism, with water for the forgiveness of sin. First Peter chapter three says this, baptism which corresponds to this. And the Greek word for baptism is baptisto, which means to immerse or to submerge into someone or something. That's, that's what that means. And so what Peter is actually saying is this, baptism, which corresponds to someone being immersed or submerged into the water for the forgiveness of sin now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus. This is, this is water baptism. Peter also said in Acts chapter two, at the beginning of verse 38, he says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. He actually goes on a little bit later in that context in 38 into 39 and begins to talk about the second baptism, but I wanna get ahead of myself because we're gonna be right here for a moment. But that's what he says, repent every last one of you and be baptized in water for the forgiveness of sin. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. Galatians chapter three, verse 27 says it this way, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. 
So when we've been baptized and we've given our lives to Jesus by confessing with our mouth that he is Lord and believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we are to be water baptized, symbolizing the washing away of sin, symbolizing the death in the burial. We go down in the water as an old man, our old self, sinful flesh. We go down in to the water. When we come out is to symbolize that we now have been washed clean. To rise as a new man or a new woman in Christ. Behold, the old has passed away and all things have become brand new from this point forward. This is what water baptism represents. See, it's, it clothes us. Water baptism clothes us in Christ so that we have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is what water baptism does for you and I. And this is why it's so important for us to do it, this, this water baptism. And just a side note, here on July 4th, Sunday lands right on a July 4th, I love it. On 4th of July, as our country is celebrating our freedom from Great Britain, praise God, us as individuals are gonna do a baptism service for those of, of us who, who wanna be water baptized to celebrate our freedom from sin together. And so man, if you haven't done it, please, do that. See, we are all to repent and be baptized with water. And that's the first miracle of baptism, washing away of sin, forgiveness of sin, being clothed in Christ. However, it's not the only baptism. There is a, another baptism that you and I are called to receive. The miracle of baptism 2.0. And the reason we call it 2.0 is not just simply because it usually operates in the order of, right? Now, not that God can't do it all at one time, because he can, but, but typically you get saved, water baptized, and then God begins to call you into his spirit. That's just the, the way it normally works. I've seen it happen all at one time, praise, praise the Lord. But the other reason why we call it 2.0 is because it comes with a double portion. And, and without this baptism, we will never walk in the power of God. If we don't have this baptism, this second baptism, we will never be a house of miracles. It will not happen. And so we're gonna, we're gonna talk about this today. See, in Matthew chapter three, verse 11, John the Baptist makes this statement. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance water baptism, for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. And he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Someone shout fire. fire. Come on. The Holy Spirit and fire. And the he that John is referring to is Jesus. Now, something really interesting that the Lord showed me that, that just kind of actually blew my mind when I was studying this was, was this. See, in John chapter 16, John 16, Jesus tells us that he has to go and be with the Father. He has to leave the earth and that it's actually better for us that he goes so that the heavenly Father would send the gift, somebody shout gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Now, I've said this to you guys before, but I'm gonna say it again because I think it's good to say things often and, and continue to say them so that we remember them. 
But, but, but I've told you, listen, the truth is not just simply a set of beliefs. It's not simply just an accurate statement that we make. The truth is a actual person. Truth is, is Jesus. That's why in John chapter 14, Jesus makes this statement. He says this, I am the, the way and the what? The truth and life. No one gets to the Father except through me. On down, he says this, and if you know the truth, if you know me, I will make you free. I will make you free. So this tells us that Jesus in and of himself is the truth. He's the truth. Are you with me? Okay. So what Jesus is saying in John chapter 16, when he says that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth, what he's saying is the Holy Spirit will guide you to me. The Holy Spirit's job is to, to, to lead you straight to me. This is what the Holy Spirit desires to do. He, he desires to reveal Jesus to us and then baptize us in Jesus, okay? This is why we can be clothed in Jesus because the Holy Spirit calls us, leads us to be baptized in the water, to be clothed in Jesus, to be baptized in Jesus. Now, there's a scene in Matthew chapter 16, and in the scene, what's happening is, is, is Jesus asked the disciples, he says, hey, you guys are in the cities, you're in the towns, you're in the alleyways, you guys hear what all the people are saying about me, so, so hey, who, who are they saying that I am? Who's everybody, what's the buzz around town? Who, who are people saying that I am? Well, then the disciples reply, they start rattling off different people. Well, some say that you're John the Baptist, while others say that you know, you're Elijah, and then others still say that you're Jeremiah, and then others say that you're one of the prophets of old. At very least, you're a new prophet. Jesus says, okay, wrong, 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 and wrong. And then he looks at them, and he says, yeah, okay, that's what they say. But who do you say, looking at all the disciples, who do you say that I am? And I like to inject myself into the story, right? because it just reveals it a little better for me. I just put myself right in there. And so I imagine that even though the, the Bible doesn't show us this, I imagine there had to be like a, a, a pause for dramatic effect. You know what I mean? Like everybody just kind of, uh-oh. You got Peter, right? He's, he's standing in the back, but, but John starts elbowing Thomas. Thomas like, I'm doubting Thomas. John, you're the one whom he loves, so why don't you answer the question? And John says, hey, Peter, you say it. You say anything, so say it. Peter's like, okay, yeah, no problem. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one of God, the son of the living God. Jesus says you are correct. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but it was revealed to you by my father who is in heaven. In other words, Jesus was saying this, the only way, Peter, that you knew who I was is because the Holy Spirit revealed to you who I was. It's the only possible way. And so I say all that to say this, the only way that we can be led to Jesus, to be baptized in Jesus, is if the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us to Jesus. It's the only way. Now, what I find to be so interesting is this, the Holy Spirit desires to baptize us in Jesus, immerse us, submerge us into Jesus. But Jesus desires to baptize us in the Holy Spirit and in fire. I love it. And I love it because this is how the power of God comes upon the people of God. And this proves that there's more than one baptism, therefore making more than one miracle of baptism, the miracle of baptism 
And I'm convinced without a shadow of a doubt that this is the reason so many Christians struggle in their pursuit of Jesus. This is the reason they struggle. It's because they've been baptized in Jesus, but they haven't been baptized by Jesus. Now they've given their lives to him, right? They've given their life to him, okay? That's why they're called a Christian. They've given their lives to Jesus and maybe they've even been baptized by water and so they are are found to be baptized in Jesus, which means they're saved, which means they're saved because the Bible says all those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation's taken care of. You called on Jesus, he's that amazing, he's that gracious, boom, you're saved. That's what it says. And I want you to think about the thief on the cross for a moment because it's, it's such a beautiful picture. Here's the thief on the cross, not the actual picture, but what happens? <laughs> the thief on the cross, he's being crucified beside Jesus, lived a life, completely sinful life. This is why he's dying. He, he got the death penalty for all the crap he'd done. And he's hanging beside Jesus and he looks over at Jesus and says, hey, I believe in you. Remember me. Remember me when you go into your kingdom. Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Telling us this, that people can be saved and not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the question has to be this, why in the world would we want to be baptized with only one baptism when we could be baptized with two baptisms? Why? Why would we only want some of Jesus when we can have all of Jesus? Why would we want to settle for one portion when God desires to give us a double portion? Why would we do that? A double portion of his power, a double portion of his authority, a double portion of his giftings. Why would we settle for being baptized in Jesus when we can be baptized by Jesus? In the Holy Spirit and fire. There are two baptisms, church, two. And we've got to desire both of these, these baptisms because, because we can, the beautiful thing is because we can have them both. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what we've done. It only matters who we serve. And so all of us can have this double portion of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, today is is the day of of Pentecost. And it was on this day over 2,000 years ago that the church was birthed. More simply put, that this day is the church's birthday. Come on, how many of you like your birthday? You like your birthday? Yeah, I know you do. I know you do. I know you don't lie in the house of God. I'm just saying, listen, my, my, my wife loves her birthday. I usually screw it up every year, but she does. She loves her birthday. How many of you like gifts on your birthday and stop acting like, oh, it's better to give than receive. Like, stop. I'm definitely, I'll be clear, man. I want to receive. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, it's a beautiful thing today on the birthday of the church. God wants to give a gift to his church. He wants to give the gift of the Holy Spirit to us. And we're going to look again at Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4. And we're going to walk through this thing. We're going to move through it pretty quickly, okay? So I hope you have your your, your thinking caps on, your speed caps on so you can follow me. But this is what it says. It says, gathering them together, he, Jesus, commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. Wait for the gift that the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So in other words, Jesus is saying this to his disciples. He's saying, look, you've already received the one baptism. 
You've received the water baptism from John the Baptist, which is great because John was great. Matter of fact, Jesus explained John the Baptist as the greatest man ever to be born on the earth by a woman and a man. The greatest. David, Moses, Solomon, Samuel, Elijah. Elisha had nothing on John the Baptist. This is what Jesus said. He was the greatest to walk the earth. But he says this, but you still need to wait. You cannot leave Jerusalem. Do not leave and do not start the church because you've only received one baptism. But not many days from now, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized in it. See, this is what it reveals to us. Jesus never desired for the church to operate under one baptism. Never. He told him not even to start until the second baptism came. You sit and you wait until you receive it. This tells us that Jesus never desired for the church to operate outside of the power of God or the fire of God. Jesus went to be with the Father specifically so that the Father would give us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we could be immersed in the Holy Spirit in the fire of God. Every single believer, that's Jesus' desire. And listen, if the first church needed the second baptism, needed to be filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire, then man, how much more do we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and the fire of God to make it through what God has called us to go through. They walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, and he still told them, don't you leave until you receive that second baptism. How much more do we need it? Acts chapter eight, the church has been birthed because verse eight in Acts chapter one took place. And it's there that that Jesus makes this statement, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be my church in both Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And if you flip over to the beginning of Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost, right? Because you gotta go to Acts one, two, three, four, five to get to, to Acts chapter eight. So I'm just setting it up for you. So Acts chapter two, verse one says this. When the day of Pentecost came... When today, over 2,000 years ago, came, they were all together. Someone say together. Together in one place. Where are we at? We're all together in one place. Acts 2.2 says this. And suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house that they were sitting in. And I'm telling you, I declare in the name of Jesus that this place would be filled. The whole house would be filled just like the house was filled back then. It would happen here today in us in Jesus' name. Acts 2 verse 3 says, Then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All, someone say all. All All of them were filled with, with the Holy Spirit, it's for everyone that word that Ms. Karen had. It's for everyone. All were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance or enabled them to. And man, I've been praying for real, man, that the Holy Spirit would fill us in such a way that we would leave this place with a brand new tongue. Even if we don't understand, which we're not gonna understand because it's, it's a heavenly language. There's no way to understand it. That's God's language, not ours. 
but that we would be open and that God would fill us with this. I've been praying and believing all week that, that all of us would receive a double portion of the spirit of God and the fire of God today. Someone say amen. 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 But see, it was on, on this day, the day of Pentecost, that all of this took place, right? All this took place. And because all this took place, then being filled with the fire of God, with the power of God, with the evidence of speaking in tongues and prophecy and healings and all these things start breaking out because they waited for the Holy Spirit, because all that took place, the church starts to grow exponentially. It just starts to take off. The gospel message is being preached and it's reaching to the far parts of the earth in a very, very short time. The church began to be a house of miracles. People were getting saved. People were getting set free. People were getting healed. People were glorifying the name of Jesus. And all the people were experiencing two baptisms. They were experiencing the baptism by water for the forgiveness of sin. So they were being baptized in Jesus, but then they were also being baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit and in fire. And I'll prove it to you because then you get to Acts chapter eight. You get to Acts eight. And it says this, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, verse eight, chapter one. Remember, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be my witnesses. You shall be my church in Jerusalem, Judea, and in Samaria. And when they heard that the Samaritans accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived... They prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They had been baptized in Jesus, but they hadn't been baptized by Jesus. They had experienced one baptism. And, and, the, and the apostles hear it. And so the apostles said, man, this ain't good. They gotta be filled with the fire of God. They gotta be filled with the power of God. Go to them and lay your hands on them, Peter and John, and pray for them. And it says this, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They received the second baptism. Two separate baptisms. They had already been baptized with water baptism because they accepted the word of, of Christ. They, they were baptized in Christ. But the disciples said, whoa, 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 you, you, gotta, be, you gotta be baptized with the second baptism. Acts chapter 19, same type of thing takes place. And it starts off in verse one and it says this, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. We don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit tragedy, I've talked to a lot of Christians that have the same type of response. I've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. See, some people have a lack of understanding because they've never even heard about him. But I'm telling you, that's not going to happen here, man. We're going we're gonna to honor him. We're going to worship him. Man, we're going to encourage everyone to be filled by him. And here's why. Because he is a part of the Godhead. He's a part of the Trinity. We sung that song, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's not God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Bible, right? It's not that. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so we've got to give the Holy Spirit 
his due. And we have to stop relegating the spirit of God to a feeling or to a power or, or just to a presence. We got to stop relegating him to that because the Holy Spirit is more than goosebumps. It's more that when your heart starts pattering pattern really, really hard and like, I can't catch my breath, what's going on? And because God's drawing you in, right? It's more, he's more than that. He's more than prophecy and, and healings. He's more than speaking in another tongue. He's more than any of that. He is a person and he is God. That's the Holy Spirit. So he deserves our affection and our attention. And we should be desiring him with everything that is within us. We must be not only baptized in Jesus, we've got to be baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit and in fire. Come on, tell your neighbor, be baptized. Tell him, be baptized. Then he goes on into Acts chapter 19, verse three, and, and Paul asks this. He says, then what baptism did you receive? So you haven't heard of the Holy Spirit and you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then what, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul says John's baptism was the baptism of repentance. He told people to believe in the one who was coming after him. That is in Jesus, the one who is mightier than he is. John wasn't even worthy to carry his sandals and he'll baptize you with the fire and the Holy Spirit. On hearing this, it says in verse five, on hearing this, they were baptized in Jesus. Then Paul placed his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them. The Holy Spirit then came upon them. They experienced their second baptism. Again, Acts 1.8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. This tells us this, that the Christians in Ephesus couldn't walk in the power of God only receiving one baptism. They had to receive the second baptism. This is why Paul went to them. There are, are many Christians today not walking in the power of God because they've not been baptized in two baptisms. They've had one baptism, but they haven't had two and what a tragedy that is because we don't have to. We don't have to struggle. We don't, we don't have to lack understanding if we just trust and believe. See, a lot of times people don't understand the Holy Spirit because others have tried to explain the Holy Spirit in a logical way, trying to use natural, natural words and natural logic to understand the supernatural. It's impossible. There's just no... There's no possible way. So to try to explain the Holy Spirit with a human vernacular, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. So all we can do as children of God is open up the word of God, read it, believe it, say, God, I want to receive it. In our hearts, listen, if we try to understand him with our minds, he will offend us every time. Every single time you'll be offended by the Holy Ghost if you try to understand him here. It has to go from here to here. It's gotta be an understanding in our hearts because if we ask God, God, give us an understanding in our hearts to receive him, then we won't be offended by him, but instead we'll be filled by him with the power of God. So instead of being offended, we can be filled with power. Which one do we choose? See, people don't, they don't understand him because they can't control him. <laughs> They can't, they can't control him. But, but here's, here's the problem. We don't need to control him. We need to unleash him. We, we need to let him do whatever it is that he wants, he wants to do. And listen, when the Holy Spirit shows up, 
And he begins to move this thing, gets real messy real quick. Real messy, real quick. You see people crying, you see other people laughing. You see other people running around like they're in a track meet around the, around the church, I'm just telling you. Running. And you're like, what is happening in this? This is wild. <laughs> telling you. People falling out in the Holy Ghost on the ground. And we're like, whoa, how did that happen? People speaking in tongues and people prophesying. It's a beautiful thing. So when he shows up, sometimes it's really, really messy. But who gives a rip how messy it is? Let him do whatever he wants to do. Because I promise you this, if we allow him to do whatever he wants to do in us and through us, it'll be the best thing for us. It will be the best that you've ever experienced in your life. I will guarantee it. I will take that to the bank. But see, the enemy knows this church. The enemy knows how good the Holy Spirit is because he kicked his butt. So, so he knows how, how good the Holy Spirit is. And so what he's done is, is he's perverted our understanding to create division. And I want you to think about this just for a moment. On the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church takes place, okay? And on the birthday of the church, God sends a gift to his church, the Holy Spirit and fire, power of God, right? So that the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave could live in them. That, that's what God desired for the entire church to have, the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave. And that gift that God gave them was meant to bring unity to all of them and all of us. That gift was meant to bring us power. And so isn't that just like the enemy to pervert what God meant for power? Isn't it just like him to do that? Worthless devil. And the perversion has caused division. And now we have different denominations. Denominations have to cause division because what we're saying is, is you believe what you want to believe over here. We'll believe what we want to believe over here. And you can believe what you want to believe over here. But we're going to stay away from each other. Now, we're cool. We're cool. But eh. denominations have to create division. And that's not from Jesus. It's just not. It's not. And because the enemy has brought this perversion, creating the divisions through denominations, now we have entire groups of Christians that believe, that believe in Jesus, but don't walk in the power of Jesus. They've been baptized in Jesus, but they haven't been baptized by Jesus. There are entire groups of Christians and teachers who are teaching that, that after the canonization of scripture in 393 AD, after they, they formulated the Bible together, then the Holy Spirit all of a sudden just left the earth. He just, poof, vanished. After the canonization. But that's actually not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible does not teach that. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we talked about this, the beginning part, right, where Peter says, be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sin. He goes on to say, so that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that God has promised to all. Someone say all that God's promised to all close and far away to everyone. Everyone who God calls to himself. That's what it says. Peter is specifically saying that the gift of the Holy Spirit, that gift is meant for the church for all times. That it's a generational promise. That it's a generational blessing. And it didn't stop at any time. The only time it'll stop is when Jesus comes back and perfects the earth and the new Jerusalem and the new heaven is created. Okay, then, then the gifts will go because we, 
will no longer need to operate in the gifts because everything's perfect then. And me being here on the earth right now proves it ain't perfect right now. The canonization. If the canonization of scripture got rid of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you what that has to mean. That has to mean what man did controlled what God desired to do. That ain't gonna happen. That's why Jesus told him in Acts chapter one. He says, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons where the epochs of which my father is set by his own authority. You can't control him because he's not a God made with human hands. He does what he desires in the time that he desires it. And because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that reveals to us that he desires for us to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Not one baptism, but two baptisms. We've got to go from being just baptized in Jesus to being baptized by Jesus, church. Because when we will, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Then we'll be his church. Then we'll be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And today, every single one of us on the church's birthday, God wants to give us this gift of the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill every one of us with the power of God. So that when we leave here, we're walking in power. We're not tiptoeing around. We're walking and declaring and speaking God's word over our families, over our situation. We can all leave with power. So look, I'm gonna open up the altars. The worship team is gonna lead us in worship. And listen, if you wanna receive the Holy Spirit today, maybe you're saying, I've already received the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something beautiful about the Holy Spirit. You can't have enough of him. The more you want of him, the more you find him. The more you find him, the more you want him, the more he fills you with himself. It's a continual, continual feeling. God will just keep filling you, filling you, filling you with his spirit. But if you've only received one baptism, yeah, you believe in Jesus, but you've never been baptized with the fire and the power of God, today is the day to do it. We're going to do what the Bible says to do. We're going to lay our hands on you. Because Paul says it this way, fan into flame the gifts that have been given to you by the impartation of the laying on of hands. So man, we're going to pray with you and believe. And here's the only thing that's required of us. Here's the only thing required. Jesus says, unless you receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you won't be able to enter into it. Another one says, or possess it. Unless we just say, God, you said it, so I believe it, and I want to receive him. You won't be able to. We've, we've got to be like a little child when we come to him. Jesus says this. He says, if you ask, you will receive. If you knock, the door will be answered. And he says, hey, you who are evil, if you know how to good, good, give good gifts, right? He says, if, if, if your son or daughter came to you and asked you for, for an egg, you wouldn't give them a scorpion. No, you give them an egg because you're going to give a good gift to your child. But if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will the heavenly father who is nothing but good give you the good gift of the Holy Spirit? And so, man, we're going to pray today and believe with you that God is going to fill each and every one of us men with his Holy Spirit and fire. Go ahead and stand to your feet, please. And Lord, I ask right now, right now, that the Spirit of God, through your Holy Spirit, Lord, 
that you begin to soften hearts, open eyes to you right now. That you begin to cause our hearts to be stirred, to desire to be baptized in fire this morning. To be filled with your power. I pray that there's this deep hunger and yearning for that even now, Lord. I pray you would put that in us. And Lord, I pray that the moment the second baptism takes place, that that individual will know it without a shadow of a doubt so that the enemy cannot lie about it or pervert it. I pray that in Jesus' mighty name.